The power of the Lord is present for him to heal your marriage. The power of the Lord is present for him to heal your finances. It's present for him to heal your body. It is present for him to heal your broken relationship with your child. He's ready to get whatever need is out there met. It's present. We forget because we have the spirit of God living in us that his power is always present to perform healing in our lives. We're the ones that suppress it. It is already present. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Autumn Miles Show. I am fired up. I am warmed up. You know how when you like warm up before you like work out? Um, I am hot. I am warm over here. So I'm ready to throw down the word. And let me tell you, there's lots to throw down today. So, you know, get comfortable. (laughs) Just in your mind right now, uh, make a decision that if you have to pause and come back, pause and come back. Because the second part of this message is like super convicting. It's very good. It's just enlightening, too. And uh, God preached to me first and gave it all to me, so I can't wait to share it with you today. We are going to talk about, through the series, the next three weeks, about underestimating, underestimating, or underestimated, underestimated. It is going to be good, I'm telling you. Okay, so a lot of y'all are downloading, so thank you. Thank you on behalf of me and Mike and Lisa and my entire team. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, It's incredible to see what we're doing. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to leave a little comment or something. You know, make sure it's nice. Otherwise, please don't leave one. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But not really. I'm not really that kidding. But yes. Anyway, make sure you just subscribe so you always get it. I subscribe to several podcasts and I listen to them like when I can. A lot of times I'm on the elliptical and I'm, I'm like listening to one of my favorite fire preachers and like it just gets my blood pumping and circulation and whatever. So, um, yeah, have us have us ready. We are going to launch so many new things in two weeks, guys, two weeks. I am so excited about everything we've been working on. Can't wait to show you all the new stuff. God is amongst us. He's doing some really, really cool things in me, in my heart. Um, And I'm just kind of sitting on my perch like Habakkuk, like expecting. What are you going to do? Where's it going to come from, Lord? So um, anyway, what's happening in my life? Well, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, and I hope this is not a secret. Like, can, can I just tell you a secret? Me and all my best friends out there. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> this is a big secret. <laughs> But my daughter is the mascot for her school, okay? But no one's supposed to know. It's kind of like, who's Mickey Mouse at Disney? Like, we don't know. It's Mickey Mouse, right? Uh, Oh, my God. Okay, I was about to tangent. I'm not going to tangent. I was going to talk about the day that I thought that the princess from The Princess and the Frog was selling popcorn. And I asked her, and she couldn't answer me. Anyway, I told you anyway. So she's the mascot at the school, right? It's a secret. Don't tell anyone. So what the mascot has to do is little skits, right? So 
There are props and boards, poster boards. There are markers. There are glitter boas. I mean, there's all over my house, especially on weeks that Grace has to do a skit for the ma- being the mascot. And let me tell you, she's good. She's really good at it. But don't tell anyone she's the mascot. Okay. So uh, she came to me last week and she said, Mom, <laughs> I'm going to do this skit. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like 100% backing her because Grace is just, she's just mascot material, right? She's over the top. She has big motions. She's like, she's awesome. Okay. So I'm, Eddie and I are fully behind this decision for her to be the mascot at her school. Again, secret. Don't tell anyone. So she comes and she says, I'm going to have a couple of the faculty at the school, like, join me to do a decades, like, video. Like, they were going to do or uh, a skit. Like, they're going to do 70s throwback. They're going to do 80s throwback. They're going to do, like, 2000s throwback, like, 2010s throwback, whatever. And she said, I want you to tell me what was cool in the 80s. And I'm like, okay, I got you because I was born, you know, a really long time ago. And uh, she said, mom, this is what I think is cool. Okay. What she demoed for me was not 80s material. She's doing like 2000 material, like homegirl. She don't know how we threw down in the 80s. Right. So she's like, mom, what was cool? And I was like, uh, the running man dance. And she's like, what's the running man? And I'm like, "Uh, Grace, you don't know what the running man is? And she's like, no, do it for me. I have not done the running man since 1992, you guys. I said, okay, I I made myself a little place on the floor. And I threw down the coolest running man you've ever seen in your life. Y'all remember the running man dance, okay? It was awesome. I brought down the house, literally. (laughs) Haven was like, what's mom doing? Moses was like, I could do that too. And me and Moses were doing the running man and it was awesome. And then she said, well, I need another dance. Like another, like what else did y'all do in the eighties? And I'm like the Roger rabbit. Do you guys remember the Roger rabbit? Cause I don't even know what she was doing. I was like, that is not, that's for like the older, the younger kids that are that I don't even know what she her perception of the 80s was like. So I said, the Roger Rabbit was cool. And she said, Mom, show me. And so I did the Roger Rabbit for her, and it was awesome. And she was like, wow, Mom, I didn't know you could do that. I was like, to be honest, I didn't know I could do that either anymore. And um, then she proceeded to say, so since you're so good at it, Mom, could you do a video so I can send it to the faculty member as an example for her to look at so that she knows what to do when we're highlighting the decade of 80s. And that's when things got a little dicey. Listen, I am all about personality plus, but when it comes to the running man and the Roger Rabbit, I would not consider myself an expert in these areas. Um, But she begged, and because I love her with every piece of my being, I said, this is never going to happen again. You have to destroy, you have to delete this video whenever, after I do it. And we will no, no longer talk about this again after you send this video to the faculty member. And she said, you got it, mom. And I got to say, I went to the game and I watched the teacher do what I demoed on a video for her. 
And um, she did a really good job. So then I thought, wow, maybe I'm good at the Running Man and the Roger Rabbit. Because look at what my demo produced. <laughs> oh, Anyway, that's what's happening in my life. That is a normal day in the Miles life. And it's fun. It's exciting. And you never know if we're going to see Grace or we're going to see the mascot out of school. It's really fun. Anyway, we're going to be back with day one, you guys, of Underestimated. You do not want to miss it. It is super, super good. I'll see you in a sec. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the Word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at, at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Okay, I'm back. I just took a deep breath because I'm just, I'm going to get my head in the game here, head in the game. Uh, we are talking about underestimated for the next three weeks. And you guys, I'm going to tell you, this is something, you know, everything that I do comes out of my own personal quiet time. Like I ain't trying to teach you something that God isn't like ringing me with first, right? Um, and a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, praying through one specific area in my life. Now, I like, uh, listen, I do what I tell you to do. I'm not some like person that's like, you do it and I don't do it. I try. I uh, We're all in this together. We're on this journey together, right? But a couple weeks ago, I'm praying through this one specific area in my life. And I, I had been praying about it for, I would say, maybe a week. Maybe a week. Um, I'm praying through it. And in prayer, the Lord says so clear to my spirit, you are underestimating my ability in this area. Mic drop. Autumn on the floor pool of tears <laughs> and then he said it again you are underestimating my ability in this area this really checked me and got me to a place of just saying you're right lord just acknowledgement we need to take responsibility guys when the lord corrects us correction he loves those he corrects um, we, we're in a society that no one wants to take responsibility for nothing. And that is not how the Lord works. It is so amazing when the Lord, um, he's not mean, but he'll say, Hey, this is an area of your life that you need to kind of move past. Um, and when he checks us and corrects us, he wants us to 
listen and he wants us to repent and move forward. And that's kind of where I was with the Lord that day. He was so right that in so many of my areas of my life, I can be like, I'm believing for this. I got it. I can do it. Yes, boss, babe, whatever. But in this particular area, I'm just weakened. I just am weakened. And the Lord was telling me, you're underestimating my power. You're underestimating me. And that's where this series came from. I believe we all underestimate Jesus, all of us. Even those of us that have been walking with the Lord for like a super long time, which we'll get into here in just a second, we will never fully estimate the amount of his power. No matter how how many PhDs are behind your name, no matter how many degrees you got, no matter how what's your GPA, no matter how long you've been in ministry, we can't estimate it because we can't fathom it. We can't even fathom the power of the Lord. So how could we estimate it? It's amazing to me, people who walk around like the Pharisees in the scripture, like, I got this. I got it. I know this. I've heard this. Really? Well, if we can't even fathom the power of God, how can you even say that you know it fully? Because you don't. Because you can't fathom it. So how can you estimate it? Anyway, tangent. I wanted to do this series because I think there is a lot of us that are underestimating Jesus. I really do think that the last two years has has done a number on the church. And I don't mean just like church buildings. I mean the body of Christ. I think it took the wind out of a lot of people's sails. I think that it challenged a lot of people to believe like, God, are you still good? And you're allowing all this stuff to happen. Um, you know, we had, we saw people that passed away prematurely. We saw, you know, all sorts of financial issues, all sorts of different things that the last two years has actually, um, the consequences of the last couple of years. And I almost hear like a, a cry from people that are, they want to believe again. They want to estimate, they want to have faith. They want that, but they just can't seem to do it. So that's why I want to do this series. It's called underestimated. And I want to show you today how we underestimate Jesus. This, what I'm getting ready to talk to you through, and there's a lot of scripture, but what I'm getting ready to talk through to you through, and I know you guys can handle the scripture, is every piece of scripture God gave me. I, he would give me a piece of scripture and I would say, okay, God, what else? And when he said, stop, I stopped. Okay. So (laughs) he knows his word. He knows what you need to hear. Uh, So I want to talk about who and how we underestimate Jesus. And I want, I want to do that through two different types of people. I want to take you uh, very specifically, first of all, to Luke 5, 17. I'm going to read a passage of scripture for you, and I want you to think about the weak areas in your life, the areas that may be weak, that you don't have faith for, that you're weak in. And and let's just be real. Can we just be real human beings? There is There is an area somewhere in your life where you're weak. Congratulations, you're not Jesus, okay? What is that area in your life? I've got them. I've got like 14, okay? Probably 140. Probably. 
probably 1400 but I know one specific glaring area in my life that I need I do underestimate Jesus what is that for you as I go through these passages of scripture identify that and allow the word to correct and to encourage and to comfort you okay so here we go we're in Luke 5 I'm obsessed with this passage of scripture today uh, and really could preach the whole message on it I'm going to skim by it which goes against everything that I believe in but I'm still skimming by it Luke 5 17 says this one day Jesus was teaching and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee so this tells you Jesus had a little rap like he had a reputation okay because all of the Pharisees and all the teachers were coming, were watching him. Now they wanted to catch him doing something wrong. But like he is gathering not just normal people that just want to be encouraged and be healed. He is gathering the religious elite of that day. Uh, they're coming from all over. They had, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. So uh, he's a gathering the elite. He's got their attention, okay? So he's sitting there teaching, and it says this, the power of the Lord was present for him to perform a miracle. When I read this, I'm going to stop just on this point. Here he is teaching. All the religious sect that would be the supreme religious sect of the day were sitting and, and were watching, along with normal people like me. He's sitting there, and, and the Bible emphasizes this one uh, line so much that they decided to leave it in the Bible. We think sometimes that the power of God is understood. But sometimes we need to be reminded that the Bible wants to remind us that the power of God is understood. So it says this, the power of the Lord was present for him to perform a healing. The power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. He was teaching. The power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. The power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. The power of the Lord is present for him to heal your marriage. The power of the Lord is present for him to heal your finances. It's present for him to heal your body. It is present for him to heal your broken relationship with your child. It is present to heal whatever it is that ails you. In this particular text, it tells us it's present. He's ready to do some work. He's ready to get whatever need is out there met. It's present. We forget because we have the spirit of God living in us that his power is always present to perform healing in our lives. We're the ones that suppress it. It is already present. The power of the Lord is present for him to perform healing. And uh, some men... I love this. These men did not know Jesus. They, do, they are not named. And some men were carrying on a bed a man. Like, couldn't they have just said his name, like Tom, or like, you know, I don't know, Mike, or, you know, 
I don't know, Eddie, something like that. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of Jesus, in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Now, I want to make a big, humongous point. These four men did not know Jesus. The man on the mat did not know Jesus. They had never met him. They had no relationship with him. It's not like they were family or they were like, you know, buddies with Lazarus or anything like that. The reason that these four men and this man on the mat came was because of what they heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They had no relationship with him. All they had was his words and what they had heard him do for other people. They did not know him, and yet they believed that he was capable of, of healing their friend who was paralyzed. They did not underestimate his power. They couldn't get in. Uh, They were trying to find a way to bring him in. Most people would say, there's too many people. Oh, my gosh. Do you see the the big old celebrity pastor over there? The big old rabbi that everybody knows about? Oh, we got to go. I don't want to look stupid in front of him. Do you see him over there, the big pastor that, you know, has got all this following on Instagram or whatever? I don't want to look stupid. So um, I'm just going to back this healing truck up. Sorry, paralyzed guy. You're going to be paralyzed forever. But they chose to push through the crowd, to push their way in. And that didn't work. So what did they do? They went to the roof, cut a hole in it, and lowered the paralyzed man down. They did not know Jesus. We know Jesus. They did not know Jesus. All they went on was what they heard. And what they heard was enough to not make the mistake of underestimating his ability. Verse 19, I'm going to read it again, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, because of all those celeb pastors out there. They went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their what? Faith. Wow, that's shocking. They don't know Jesus. But seeing their faith, Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Verse 24, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately, he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. They didn't know Jesus but they trusted what they heard about him. They didn't have a relationship with him, but they dared not take their chance and underestimate his power. So they estimated it correctly, dropped their friend down, and he was healed. Let's move on to my uh, next example. Y'all know her. I love her. This chick is like famous, okay? Luke 8, 43 says this, and a woman, now I love this because this woman has no name either. She don't know Jesus. Her and Jesus, they're not buds, okay? She is a woman. 
the Bible doesn't even give her a name, which again, like, like, what's her name? Is it Betty? Is it Lisa? Is it Kate? Like, what is it? Is it Autumn? Is it Grace? Like, what is it? I want to know your name. Like, I, I just do. But the Bible thinks her faith is more important to record than her name. She know Jesus. She was no Mary, no Martha. She wasn't none of that. She wasn't no Rahab, no Esther. She was a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, verse 43. The Bible lists her with her problem um, rather than listing with her proper name. She's a woman with a problem. I don't know about you, but I've got a lot. I've, I've had a lot of problems. Verse 43, and a woman with, who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone. This woman didn't know Jesus. She didn't have a name. But she had faith. She could not be healed by anyone. It is such a travesty when we overestimate the might of humans and underestimate the might of Jesus. It is such a travesty when we overestimate the might of humans and underestimate the might of Jesus. She could not be healed by anyone. Do you have a situation in your life that you cannot be healed by anyone? I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe it's a marriage thing. You've gone to counseling. You've done the thing. You don't, you want the marriage to work out. No one seems to help. You did everything your pastor said, still not helping. You did everything your counselor said, still not helping. That was this woman. There was no hope for her. But guess what? Even though she had no name, she had a ton of faith because she somewhere along the journey had heard about what Jesus had done. Somewhere along the journey, she thought to herself, wow, I can't be healed by anybody. But if I could just worm my way in and just not even touch his body, but touch his cloak, then just maybe something will happen. And that's exactly what she did. She came up behind him. She did not even have the courage to face Jesus face to face. As a matter of fact, in Jewish times, she, she probably would have been kicked out of the city because she was unclean. So she, she certainly didn't want to approach Jesus, this giant religious leader of the day, and, and touch him knowing that she was unclean because that would have been bad for both of them. So she came up behind him and she touched the fringe of his cloak and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. No name, but full of faith. No name, but she was not going to underestimate this guy called Jesus that she had heard about. No human could help her, but maybe Jesus could. So she acted on it. Jesus said immediately, who is the one who touched me? And while they're all denying it, Peter, oh my gosh, Peter, master, there are crowds everywhere pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me. And I was aware of the power that had gone out, out, out from me in 47. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, listen to what she did that nobody, no one actually talks about. She began trembling and fell down before him. 
and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. This problem that this woman had would be culturally looked down upon. You would be a cultural outcast if you outed yourself for having a problem like a hemorrhage this long for 12 years. This was an embarrassing situation that this woman had to deal with. But when you come with faith like a child to Jesus, you don't underestimate him. You give him all the things that might be embarrassing, hand them over to him, surrender them, and he touches them and he heals them. You cannot shut up about his goodness this woman was she came in like a like a little timid mouse and she left like a lion because she had the audacity and the courage not to underestimate jesus she didn't know him all she knew is what she had heard and all she heard was enough not to underestimate him Luke 18, oh, we are cruising today. These are all, I, I pray through all these guys. This is not like random or whatever. Um, I love this one because it segues into my second, the last thing that I want to talk about. Luke 18, 1835, and Jesus was approaching Jericho. Here's another example. A blind man, no name, but we do find out his name, but immediately there's no name. Just a blind man, just a blind dude was sitting by the road begging. We know uh, from reading the text that his name was Bartimaeus from a different gospel. Verse 36, now hearing a crowd going by, he, the man who was blind, began to inquire who this was. They, listen here, they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And listen to what happens. Those who led the way, those who led the way, were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Dave, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus didn't know. This man, we know from a different gospel, his name is Bartimaeus, but we, Jesus did not know him. He was a beggar on the side of the road. And as he cried out and screamed out, interesting, we're going to come back to this. Those that led the way were shushing him. Be quiet. Don't talk. Don't bother him. Don't do this. Just be quiet. Just be blind forever. I'm not going to share with you what he could do. Just be blind forever. Shh. Don't talk to Jesus. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Interesting note. When we talked about the paralytic, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your sins are forgiven. The woman with the issue of blood, which I forgot to read, he looked at her and he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Right here, he looks at Bartimaeus and he says, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained sight and began following him, glorifying God. And with, when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. He did not know Jesus. Isn't it interesting? When someone beats Jesus for the first time, it's, it's great. They're so on fire for the Lord. 
Haven just asked Jesus into her heart a couple of weeks ago. The child is so holy right now. It's unbelievable. <laughs> She's telling me all about the Ten Commandments. And, you know, I, I'm sharing because that's what Jesus would do. Yes, Jesus would. Want, I'm going to obey because that's what Jesus would want me to do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the child has never been holier. She's squeaky clean over here. But isn't it interesting how people that don't know Jesus, when they meet him, when they get a touch of him, when he touches their souls and he, he, he saves this, them from their sins, they are so on fire for him. It's beautiful. We love it. We love to see it. It's interesting to me that in this, this is going to tra- this is going to segue me to my my second point here. It's interesting to me who shushed the blind man, those who led the way. Now this is pretty cut and dry, and the Lord just really revealed this to me while I was studying this patch of scripture. Those that led the way, it's referring to those people that were up in front that were rolling with Jesus. They were the ones that looked at the blind man and said, shh. They sternly shushed him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me that those that were around Jesus were with Jesus were the ones that were telling the blind man to be quiet? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Let me read it again. Now, hearing the crowd going by, he began to inquire who this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of mercy, have mercy, have mercy on me. Those who led the way, the crowd, were sternly telling him to be quiet, but kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know what they should have been doing? Those who led the way should have said, Jesus can definitely heal you. Let me grab you. Let me take you straight to Jesus. Cry out as much as you want. He will heal you. But those that were rolling with Jesus shut him down. Jesus had to come to him himself. And it begs the question to me today. Sometimes we can roll with Jesus and roll with Jesus and roll with Jesus. And without even thinking, we can shush a miracle that Jesus wants to do for somebody else because we, along the way, somewhere have started underestimating his power beautiful to see someone converted that faith and passion is amazing but sometimes that faith and passion over years of trial or years of heartache or years of whatever wanes and somewhere along our journey rather than saying he can heal you we start underestimating this Jesus that in the beginning we estimated properly. I was mad at these people until I realized I've probably been one of them. Those who led the way. Those who had rubbed shoulders with him for a while. They were the ones that shut him up. But Jesus wouldn't have it. Because he takes such good care stewards our faith so well nothing will stop them 
it's sad to me to say, but also very convicting. I think I just, I, I, I say all this in love because obviously the Lord has spoken to me about this first. Sometimes those closest to Jesus that have rolled with him a while forget. Can I say that to you? As your friend, as your podcast sister, maybe as your mother. <laughs> Let me ask you, you've walked with him a long time. Can you be transparent and just say, in this area of my life, maybe I have began to underestimate him. Let me show you what I mean. Um, sometimes hard points I don't like to say because, you know, who wants to do that? And I was telling the Lord that I don't want to say this to these people. <laughs> and he was like, don't let my word do all the talking. So that's what I'm going to do. Let's go to John 7. And I'm going to give you a beautiful example. After these, uh, 7-1. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Feast of the Jews, the Feast of Booths, was near. One day I'm going to do a whole series on the feasts. They're awesome. Therefore his brother said to him, leave here. His brothers, 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 said to him, leave here and go to Judea, or Judea. Sometimes I like to say it both ways. So that your disciples may see your works, which you are doing. I, I This sounds really good at first. Go on. Go on to Judea. Um, let your disciples see your works, which you are doing. Verse 4. For no one does anything in secret. And this is where they misjudged him. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. Bam. Not cool. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Verse five, for not even his brothers were believing in him. He goes on and has a dialogue with him. And I'm going to stop right there because his brothers in the moment are mocking him. Now, let me tell you something about his brothers. I, I don't know about you, but I know everyone in my, in my family knows everyone's birth story, right? His brothers knew he was Jesus. His brothers knew what had happened to Mary and Joseph and, you know, the angels and the shepherds and the, all the things, okay? His, his brothers knew um, that he was a miraculous birth, okay? They probably were very jealous of him for that. They knew that he was the golden child uh, by default. It wasn't his fault. It was God the Father fault, but how you blame him, right? Um, so they knew of his birth. So they knew who he was. They had also seen his miracles. Uh, they were his brothers. So it's like, you know, you go home for Thanksgiving. Hey, how are you? I healed a blind man today. Those, those were conversations that were happening, I'm sure. And the Bible doesn't really talk about it so much, but we do see that they acknowledged his signs and his works in verse three. So they had already seen what he was doing. Yet in verse five, for not even his brothers were believing in him. They rolled with him forever and they knew he was Jesus. They saw what he could do and they didn't believe in him. This struck me to my very core. I just told you three stories of people that did not know Jesus, didn't even have names except Bartimaeus, who in a childlike faith reached out to him. They healed them and his brothers didn't. That convicts me having walked with Jesus for so long. They saw his miracles. I've seen his miracles. You've probably seen his miracles. You can even see his miracles and not believe in him. 
That's what that tells me. Isn't it interesting that people that saw him didn't believe? People that walked with him didn't believe. Let me show you um, another passage of scripture where this is very, very tangible. Um, we talk about his brothers. His brothers were close to him and didn't believe. They walked with him and didn't believe. And I was thinking, Lord, what's a good story to show everybody else who walked with him and had moments of disbelief? And the Lord said, uh, Lazarus, duh. So I went to, Gen, uh, to, to John 11, and I'm just going to read it to you. But I want to put this filter of not underestimating Jesus on. Okay, here we go. Now, a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister, her sister, Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. It's about to tell you he loves them. Okay. So the sister sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. Jesus loved Lazarus. They were besties, besties for the resty. Okay. They were, they loved each other. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified. Okay. A bunch of like a totally different language to people that aren't really paying attention to what you're saying, which he was talking to his disciples. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister, her sister and Lazarus. They, he loved them. He loved them. So when he heard he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Okay. I'm going to skip a lot. Verse 11. Newsflash. Lazarus dies. He tells the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, listen, listen, listen. They underestimated him. They had seen so many things that he had done, but you're about to see a giant underestimation by the people who rolled deep with him for three years. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death. 14. Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Okay. This is what this tells me. Here we have Jesus letting Lazarus die and he looks at his disciples and says Lazarus is dead now the disciples know that he loves Lazarus but Jesus knows something about the disciples that they don't even know yet their faith is not big enough to believe that Jesus can resurrect someone. Their faith is only deep enough for healing but not for resurrection so Jesus looks at them and says I'm glad he died I'm glad he died. And this is why. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. What does that tell you? They only believed Jesus had partial power. They were underestimating the full scope of the power of Jesus. So Jesus was about to school them with his power. Okay, so he goes to Bethany. You know, walk, 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 walk. He's going to Bethany. Martha comes out to meet him. Martha, when Martha saw him, she said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been there. Now, Martha is his homie. Martha is his bestie. He loves Martha. Okay. And what does she say? Martha knows who he is. Martha knows what he can do. Martha has seen all the things. Okay. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Even now, I know whatever you do, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. What is Martha saying? I have faith for healing, but not for resurrection. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. I had faith for your healing. You could have stopped the death, but you can't stop uh, it now because it's too far gone. Partial faith is total underestimation. Partial faith is total underestimation in Jesus. Martha said to him again, I know that he will rise again in the last day because she doesn't get it. And the resurrection in the last day, Jesus said to him, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives believes in me and you will never die. And he looked at her and said, do you believe this? Knowing she didn't believe, he still said, do you believe this? He said, do you believe this? Because he wanted her to understand that she did not believe this. She only had partial faith. She only had faith for the healing. She did not have faith for the resurrection. You guys, she had walked with Jesus forever, but she did not have the faith needed to bring Lazarus back. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you walked with Jesus for 50 years. He still wants you to grow. Even though you're homies, he still wants you to grow. Isn't it sad that these guys walked with Jesus so close for so long and their faith wasn't as strong as Bartimaeus, the hemorrhaging woman, and the paralytic? They had seen and they didn't believe. The other three heard and they believed. Then, okay, let's, let's look at Mary. Mary. I mean, Mary's, Mary's the godly one, so sure, surely she got it. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, verse 32, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Another example. Partial faith is total underestimation. You know who had faith for the resurrection that day? Jesus. Nobody else brought it to the table. The disciples fail. Martha fail. Mary fail. The mourners are like having a fit, crying and screaming. Not even Mary. Lord, if you would have been there, partial faith is total underestimation. So Jesus again, uh, verse 38, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and the stone was lying there. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, who had a mouth on her, said to him, Lord, by this time, he's going to stink. He's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? He's telling her, lady, you are underestimating me. I'm about to blow your mind and you are underestimating me. You do not believe like you think you do. Lady, watch what I'm about to do. Lazarus, where are you at? Come on, come on forth. And Lazarus in his uh, burial clothes steps up and comes forward. And it says this, therefore, verse 45, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. You guys. You can walk with Jesus for years and years and years and have no more faith than Bartimaeus, hemorrhaging woman, and the paralytic. Last story and then I'm done. 
Jesus has died. Mary Magdalene. Now, listen, he really... Jesus really hooked Mary Magdalene up. He really healed her. <laughs> and here she is. She's, she's at the tomb. The first day of the week, John 20. The first day of the week, another example of people that walked closely with Jesus that did not estimate him correctly. All of them underestimated his power. She came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple who Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Jesus told them he would rise from the dead three days after he died. He told them three times he was going to do that. I know that from my study, and I think I preached it recently. So Peter and the other disciples went forth, and they were going to the tomb. Peter definitely knew. Peter was like, he heard it every single time. Peter, the two were running together, and the other disciple ran faster. And they came to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, but did not go in. Simon Peter came in, following him, entered the tomb. So the other disciples who had first come to the tomb entered, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again. Jesus told him three times, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. I'm going to raise myself from the dead. But they did not believe, they did not understand or believe the scripture that he must rise again. So the disciples went away to their own homes. Now this is where it gets funny. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. She had heard him say, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. Don't you worry. And so she wept and stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting in one of the head and one of the foot where the body of Jesus had been lying. She's talking to two angels about, guys. Listen to what she, she's about to talk to two angels. And they said to her, woman. Why are you weeping? And she said to them, the two angels, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. She knew. She had heard that Jesus was he, himself from himself. I'm going to die, but I'm going to resurrect. And she's looking at an empty tomb and it doesn't even register that he actually did what he said he could do. When she had said this, he turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And she did not know that it was Jesus. This is kind of funny. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener. And this is so funny. Mary's talking to Jesus about Jesus. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. She's looking at Jesus and saying, where did you put Jesus? I want Jesus. Because it didn't compute with her, her faith system, quite yet that Jesus could do what he said he was going to do. Listen, Lazarus was already raised from the dead. And yet still, someone like Mary Magdalene doubted. She didn't even, it didn't even register with her that she was talking to Jesus about Jesus. He looked at her and he said, Mary. And she said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani. And then they have a combo. Listen. This struck me because I think this is where we are as a body of Christ. Some of us, not all of us, 
some of us. And I'm speaking to those some of us that know that you are the some of us. You've walked with Jesus for a long time. You've been intimate with Jesus. You've had moments of miracles and victories with Jesus. But maybe you're like Mary and Martha and the disciples. There's something in your way and you just can't seem to believe that he can actually do what he wants to do for you. They couldn't. No judgment here. I've been there. The Lord wants to grow your faith. Partial faith is total underestimation. I hope I churn up faith in you right now. I hope we do a reboot, a restart, a re-engaging. Maybe we take it all the way back to the beginning and we redo our foundation that may have been cracked by a couple of years of doubt, a couple of years of trial, a couple of years of perpetual sadness and fear. Maybe we need to till up that, that ground like a farmer does and plant a new seed of faith in it. Don't be embarrassed to do it. God wants to show you who he is in your situation. He wants to show you all he can do if you let him. Don't underestimate him any longer. Lord, I just love you today. And I love all these listeners. And I love this word. And I love your word. And I love how lovingly you uh, you convict us, Father. I pray, Lord, for the returning. The David, King David says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. It's a beautiful depiction that even David, even David stalled. God, I pray for that over these precious people that are underestimating him in one area. They can believe for so much, but they just can't believe for one weak area in their life. Give them the courage to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. I'll be back in just a sec with a question and a story from one of you. I'll see you in a sec. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. 
Okay, guys, we're back. Uh, I have a question for you guys from one of our fam, am fam over here. Uh, she says, I have an adult son who has walked away from God. He was saved and baptized when he was 10 years old. But in college, he decided it was a fairy tale. He and I have had many talks about God and Jesus, but to no avail. My question is, how can I have no pain or sadness in heaven if my son is not there with me? Our preacher says we will know one another, and I just can't imagine not having my son there and being okay with it. So this struck me pretty hard because I think I, obviously, I'm a mom with four kids, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really honest with you. I don't know. I don't know how you can have no pain or no sadness in heaven if your son is not there with you. I don't know. Um, The Bible says there will be no weeping in heaven. Um, So we know it is a wonderful, glorious place. But that's something we have to believe by faith. And let me tell you, I don't know. I don't know anyone who does know. (laughs) I mean, a lot of us have family members that haven't accepted Jesus as their savior. And, and, you know, this is one of those questions that you just believe by faith, um, that you will not have any pain in heaven. The Bible, and the Bible clearly tells us that we will. So I don't know how God's going to work all that out, but I do trust him in that. One other additional comment I want to make here is it sounds as if you're given up. You this and I say this in love, my dear sister in Christ, it sounds as if you have sort of decided that maybe he won't ever come back. And I want to remind you of the story of the prodigal son. I want to remind you I was a prodigal daughter. I know lots of prodigal children that have come home. So I feel this very strong in my spirit right now, so much where I'm going to get choked up because I have four kids. I understand the love of a mother. I know you would die for your kids. I totally understand that. I get that. I get it. You don't know unless you got them. And once you got them, oh my goodness. I want you to read that story of the prodigal son. We don't know how long he was gone, but we do know one thing. He came back. And when he came back, What did his father do? His father stood with open arms, put a robe on him, killed the fatted calf. They had themselves a party. So I want to press into this question maybe a little bit more and say, don't give up. If that prodigal came home, your prodigal came too. It's amazing how many prodigals have rebounded because a mother would not give up praying for her child. I am one of those children. So God bless you, my friend. Keep praying. The Lord hears every single one. You are not falling. They are not falling on dead ears. They are not uh, reaching the ceiling. The Lord hears and he sees. He calls himself the God who sees in the scripture. Cling to that. Read that passage of scripture and let it encourage your heart. Um, I love that question. I think that's one of those hard ones. And I think sometimes you just need to hear someone say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've studied the scripture forever. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. But by faith, that's why faith is a substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We are putting subs- the substance of faith 
in God himself. God, you say there's not going to be any weeping in heaven. So I'm going to believe it by faith. Faith is my substance. Uh, we also have a testimony and I will just say, this is our segment about what God is doing in your life. And it's kind of cool how these two go together. It's just really beautiful how the Lord kind of intertwines our show together. And I mean, I don't know if the girls playing this or not, but I think it's really, really cool. The testimony today is of a wayward child. It says my daughter 10 years ago turned away from the faith and was dating someone our family didn't agree with. She didn't want to have anything to do with our family. I continued to pray. And last year, she's asked the Lord back into her heart and she's moved back in our area and has made efforts to come back to our family. Prayer works. God works. This is a miracle, miracle story of what God is doing in our world. So to the question from a follower, be encouraged by what is God is doing in our family, you guys. He is, remember what I just said in the above se uh, segment? His power is present to heal right now in this moment. His power is present to heal. And um, we cannot underestimate the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So I love you guys. I hope you love this. I know we went a little long today, but I also hope you're gleaning from this uh, because I worked hard on it and prayed a lot through it. So I love y'all. I will see you next week. You guys have an awesome, awesome week. Uh, I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.